The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, a Texas Tech Athletics Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Michael, what's up, man? I'm ready to preview. Provo. Provo preview. Are you going? You going to Provo? Uh, no. You you got some connections up there, right? Most my people. Could you get us a cougar tail? Oh, those look so good. <laughs> they do. The ones with bacon? Are you there? I'm here. He's back. I'm back. All right. That's always fun. I don't know what you were talking about. Uh, cause I couldn't hear you, but, um, we were just start, starting to talk about the cougar tails. Uh, yeah. That was pretty much still what I was talking about. Oh, just trying it. to figure out if the, if the bacon was a new thing they were doing just for homecoming or if that's what they always do. And is it, is it like a maple icing? It looked like, looked that way. For, for those of you who don't know, cougar tail is basically kind of like an eclair looking donut. Am I saying it right? Is it even is that even right? Is it a donut? I that's what it looked like to me. It looked like a long donut with like um a maple glaze color icing glaze, whatever you want to call it. Uh yeah. with bacon bits on it. But not like like crumbled bacon, but like actual yeah. chunks of bacon on it. It's Fan, okay, it is basically fantastic. like a donut. Yeah. Um, let's see. It's a 15 inch donut and they cook like two miles of them. <laughs> All right. And let's see. Canceling. Yep. Cancel out my trip to Dallas this weekend. We're going to Provo. Yeah. It's maple topping. Okay. You could pre-order. I mean, these are a big deal and I, completely see why so for those of you lucky if you go into the game for to represent the red raiders i hope you get one tell us about it we need to know do they ship we are where food and sports clash at the goal line you need to figure out do they ship these things um mm-hmm. yeah so i mean before we, we get to previewing provo um one uh yeah i've i've, I've been to provo Spent some time up there. A few, uh, few fast and furious weeks before I shipped off to Germany. But um, not to brag, though. No, not to brag. It, it's it's weird up there, man. Just say, <laughs> even even as a uh, as a member of that church, Utah, especially Salt Lake and Provo, especially Provo. It's weird, dude. It's 
it's a whole, it's its own little universe and it's, it's weird, dude. Um, I went to Utah for a wedding once. Oh. But it was closer to, we flew into Salt Lake City, but the wedding was actually where they had the Winter Olympics back in 92 or whenever that was. It was on top of the, we rode the ski lift up to the mountain. Very nice. It was pretty cool. Beautiful. It was oh for sure gorgeous. It was like August, I think, and I was wearing a long sleeve shirt all day and felt great. Yep, it's fantastic. I uh, I was up there. Let's see. Um, I entered the missionary training center February. Left in April. So it was cold when I got there. It was basically done snowing, but there was still snow out there. Uh, and by the time that we were heading out, um, full-fledged spring action going on, it was fantastic. Um, and I'd been up there before. Later in the spring, I I, I did some some... some campus tour trying to figure out where I I was potentially looking at transferring out of Texas Tech when I returned and I did some campus tours Um, and if I was going to do it I had my heart set on going to Utah State up in Logan but obviously I stayed at Texas Tech so there you go Uh, we're like I said before we get into previewing BYU um, I want to go over Kansas State again because I spent some time. I'm not sure why. I did this to myself. But I, I watched the majority of the game because um, I didn't get a chance to watch it on Saturday night. So I watched it and I had some thoughts. Uh, Michael, you rewatched part of it. Yes, the, the third quarter specifically. So oh. we'll, we'll piece all that together. Um, I. Newsflash, it was worse watching it than I anticipated. And maybe, maybe it's because I knew it was going to happen. Um, or maybe it's because I, I had already colored my my perception of the game because I had heard post-game comments. I had heard um, comments made in the Monday morning press conference. And then I saw, I was like, what was said does not jive with what I saw. So we'll talk about that. Um so we'll look uh, we'll look back at in Kansas State this weekend. We'll look ahead to, to BYU and the rest of the season. And we'll touch on some basketball. Um, there were some preseason polls, I guess you could call them, that came out. Um, tell you how unshocked I am that Kansas got away with no uh, penalties following their investigation. Um. And then get you ready for uh, for the road trip. I, I know I've, I've heard of a few a few of us Red Raiders heading up to Provo, uh, so we'll get you ready for that trip. Michael, you ready to talk about some football? I think so. All right, so you lose the game thirty eight twenty one. Was close there. You even had a lead in the second half. Uh, from not watching the game, 
uh, one of my first questions to Michael and the, the instant reaction was, hey, what happened to Morton? Because uh, all I'd heard was that he he was playing playing well in the first half uh, and then didn't come back out in the second half and nobody really knew or said anything. Watching the game, Morton was not playing well in the first half. Um, and And maybe more accurately, Morton was not doing well. Very visibly was he hampered. Um, combination of, you know, wasn't 100% coming into the game, but when Kansas State was able to take shots on him, they were landing heavy, heavy shots on Morton. And I'm not, I'm not insinuating or implying or even saying that they were dirty because um, there weren't any flags on, the, on these hits, but when they had an opportunity to hit Morton, they made sure he felt it. I'll put it that way. Um, and they didn't stop at Morton. No. Nope. Strong felt some of that too. Nope. And yeah, they, they, yeah. they, they got that's, strong. That's probably the mentality you want if you're a Kansas State fan. You want your defense to be relentless. But yeah, it's it's kind of when you're rewatching something, it kind of hurts even more to to see the severity of some of those hits. But Michael, this this again calls into question what the heck our offensive coordinator was looking at when he was calling. Because again, I, I have the the benefit of watching the game, knowing what happened, and knowing that Morton does not come and play in the second half. But watching him throw, no, his his throwing motion didn't look off. He was missing guys bad. When he was able to to step into a throw, the ball was coming out funny. Like one of those those stupid plays we ran on the goal line, we had two offensive linemen and two two receivers out wide. He steps into that throw. I swear that ball is spinning sideways. Like there was no spiral on it. It was like tumbling sideways through the air. How... Xavier White caught it. I'm not sure. <laughs> Looked like a sideways punt. Uh, his his shoulder was was jacked up, which does not have me hopeful for his return for this weekend. Uh, we had heard somewhere that even this this coming week, this week coming into Kansas State, uh, I don't think he he threw until Friday, like late in the week, Friday. Uh, so Jake Strong. Uh, did get a lot of a lot of practice reps this week, um, and then to top it off, like he was already like they're already trying to limit how much he's doing in practice, uh, and then to get hammered as hard as he was uh, in the game, I just I don't have expectations that Morton's going to play this weekend. Watching him, watching how the game unfolds in the first half makes me even more infuriating infuriated that like the game plan was what it was or it continued to play out the way it did in the second half that you had a hurt quarterback and you kept forcing it into his hands well i i get that part of you doesn't want to play into that doesn't want the 
other team to know necessarily how bad things are, but it that they have eyes too, great. Michael. <laughs> no, I know, and I mean they they can see too because they've they've seen film on Morton and they know what he's capable of, and they're able to look at that and go something's not quite right. But the, you know, the third quarter rewatch for me was. I, I rewatched the, you know, Strong's three drives basically, well four. Uh, and I'm I'm softening a little bit on his first drive just because of the you know the false start and a couple other things that happened that kind of put him behind there. And then even on you know the fourth and two, yes. Kansas State showed seven in the box, but they didn't they didn't rush seven. They parked four, just like right in the middle of the field after after the snap. And then the receivers, those routes were awful. They they were not highly successful routes. You had trips left on the far side of the field. So I think you're on the right hash and on your left. You've got your three receivers over there, and they're all running routes that Patrick Mahomes would be lucky to hit. Yeah. And they're just getting further and further from strong. You know, everyone's at least 10, 12 yards out when we need three yards. And he picks what was probably the most, it was the best decision was to throw to the right. He was the most open until late. I think it was Aiken on the left. He juked his guy and got open, but I don't think it, that would have been a super tough throw to make. So I, mm-hmm. but none of these routes, they were all like go routes. Two of them were go routes. One of them was an out to the opposite sideline across your body. The other one was a drag in the middle. He got tangled up with a defender and fell down. Just slant. Is there a slant? Or hitch that 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 could be run, yeah. I mean, just just something a curl. Run to Is the there sticks something and turn that, around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know those those linebackers basically parked in the middle, so that kind of ate that up. But man, none of those were successful routes on a fourth and three from your own what thirty. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's my main beef on that drive. Uh, sure, okay, they had seven in the box. Fine, you don't feel like handing it to Brooks, but but let let the young quarterback have a freaking throw he can make. Give him a chance, man. I uh, I'm I'm still gonna like because I don't know what the play was called from from the sideline. I know what 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 play was ran, so I don't know if that was a Jake Strong decision. I don't know how much leeway he has or should have in changing the play as a true freshman getting his first collegiate time. Um, like I want to give Kitley the benefit of the doubt and say like maybe Jake strong changed into something there. Um, but also as the head, as, as, as the coach, as the offensive coordinator, like, Hey, actually let's, uh, let's stick with, uh, with, with, with what I call right now. Cause you're 18 years old. <laughs> You've never seen this before. Um, and I, I, I still, I want to call BS on taking what the defense has given you, right? Like that's that's what, that's the defense that Kitley used on Monday. Um, because 
you you were presented with some light boxes. Yes. And you threw into it. Yes. You on first down. They they rushed three on one that one of those third quarter drives and <laughs> just like first and ten, man. Let's let's get some yards. Let's hand it off. There's three guys right here. I think you might be able to block them and or you know, at least get a few yards before the linebackers show up. I I don't know. I will also let, let me also when I read the 10 things from Seth on Sunday and he was talking about how bad the defense was, like I hadn't I hadn't watched the game yet and I was like, but the offense was terrible. Guys, the defense was terrible too. They the same issues we had with the offensive game like nobody was committed to what was in front of you, like happening in front of you. What Kansas State was, what they've been known for for decades. Like they did not do anything they haven't done for years. But you tried unsuccessfully tempting them to do something else. It's like, it's not going to work. Against a box. If you flip it around and look at the offensive formation, Michael, they had nine offensive players in the box. You know how many defenders you had in that same box? Six. Six. Like, DeRuder, like, you know better than this, man. Like, they had a tight end, a fullback. They had DJ Giddens and Avery Johnson, like, and you try to defend that box with six. No, you, you, the game plan all the way around was just, was a cluster. So, yeah, well, and, like, I, yeah, I, I was, Johnson. Yeah, I, I, I was heavy handed on my, on my uh, criticism of, of, of the offense on Saturday, watching it and seeing how bad the defense was and how they were not committed to stopping the run. I was like, yeah, you gave up 300 rushing yards because you tried to defend six on nine. Well, and then the opposite happened too on. Uh, so when Tech went up 21 to seven, they forced Kansas State to punt and then strong through an interception pretty quickly. And Avery Johnson got. It was third and 10. And I wrote some notes about this, but I didn't mention it on the instant reaction. And Kyle covered it really well on on the Gambling Gauchos. But uh, I noticed the same thing a lot of y'all did. And here's what I wrote. On third and 10, TTU burned a timeout only to get roasted by Avery Johnson on a 30-yard touchdown run. Kansas State up 24-21. Where he was untouched. He was. In Texas Tech, I swear, Spencer, on your definition of of the box seven or eight guys Texas Tech came out of that timeout they didn't like what they saw Kansas State went back to the exact same formation the personnel might have changed slightly I can't tell for sure if the two receivers on the right changed but the formation was the same empty backfield and I think they had seven or eight guys in the box and still just got manhandled out of the way. 
Do you know who Marcus King is, by the way? No. Excellent musician. Okay. He and Avery Johnson might be related. <laughs> they just really look a lot alike. Almost the same hair, too. It's kind of uncanny. I had a realization this weekend, or sorry, not this weekend, when I was watching the game. Avery Johnson's going to be a handful. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Maybe, but, Kansas but then there's... maybe so freaking good with him at quarterback. Maybe Tech won't play Kansas State for a couple of years. That's that's kind of... This is the world we live in now, Spencer, where we're, we're dodging Manhattan. Let's let's just... You know what? Let's not play Kansas State. Let's... um. You know, they're the team we kind of like to root for anyway, so let's just not play them. I'm, I'm cool with that. Give us a couple years off to find ourselves. Yeah. We'll go, we'll go backpacking through Appalachia and find ourselves. <laughs> like it's better playing West Virginia these days? Oh, I don't know. I can't afford Europe. I might could afford Appalachia. <laughs> all right. Um, that's, that's really all I had. Like it was... Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you put six guys in the box versus nine, you were obviously going to lose that battle. Um, you you put eight or nine in the box, you still lost. So, I mean, it it was it was just a cluster. It was bad all the way around. Uh, offense, I don't know, man. Uh, I I I saw where. Kitley said, "If you well, if you take out the big runs, they're they're only you know we were only running for for three yards per carry. It was like you're That's part of the running game. You can't take <laughs> them out. You're like you're saying, well, if you take out the touchdowns, we didn't score any points. Well, you you know you 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 run the ball, and sometimes you're very successful running the ball. But we can't we can't take credit for when we're successful. We have to look at how bad we are when we're not." Dude, you're 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 hamstringing yourself, like in trying to like you're you're not making the point you think you're making. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. I I got excited seeing how how the game went against Houston. Well, sorry, the second half, and then how it, how it went against Baylor. That almost feels like you did that, like you knew coming into the game that you were going to beat Baylor and you're going to beat them like a drum. You're like, well, we'll just run the ball because they literally can't do anything else about it. But actually, you're really, really good at running the ball. And when you get into these close games, you're like, we just, we just can't run the ball. Well, you can't throw it either, so... I say let's something's got to give somewhere. <laughs> stay committed to what has been working for the majority of the season. When you show a commitment to running the ball, it's paid off. So, all right. Uh, other things I want to get to from Monday's press conference. Health wise, uh, linebacker Bryce Ramirez and Braylon Lux should be back this weekend. Um, a few got you know, handful of guys will be day to day. Game time decisions. Uh, C.J. Baskerville, maybe back. Morton, although I don't really expect him. Cole Spencer, uh, but who is playing in the spot? Uh, Jackson, Jacoby Jackson. I think so. I think yes. did did pretty good. I don't. I didn't have any like glaring like. 
oh my gosh, that, that that's a hole that we need to fix. Uh, and the Mason Tharp, but with the room you have around Tharp, I mean, like you want them back, obviously, but you've got Cup, you've got York, you've got even Teeter showed up uh, this past weekend. So, um, Jacob Rodriguez uh, getting closer, so I would expect maybe next weekend, next week we hear about how close he is. Um, so, yeah, maybe he'd be ready for TCU after the bye week. Yeah. You know what else I heard about how, how close we are, Michael? How close we are to having an absolute disaster at quarterback. Because. Go on. Morton has not been practicing. Uh, left the game with an injury. So I would assume even further from being ready to go. So you got Jake Strong. And from all accounts, he's healthy, right? We're, we're, we're glad about that. Yes. Um, the reason, and this is very narcissistic and maybe rewriting history here, but the reason you you only played three quarterbacks last year is by, because by the time your third guy got hurt, your first guy was ready. Like he, he was back. Yes. Here's the problem. Your first guy's not coming back. Morton, he's, he's, not, he's not ready to come back. I mean, he's just now leaving. Literally nobody else. Michael, you know who's taking second-string quarterback reps this week? Brady freaking Boyd. Yeah, he is. You know what position he played in high school? Not quarterback. Center? <laughs> you remember when we talked about guys that could, that maybe could have played quarterback on their high school teams? Maybe yes, this is one I of do. them. Maybe this is one of them because guess what? Did not play quarterback in high school. He was a yeah, wide receiver was- at South Lake. And a wide receiver and defensive back at Richland Hills. Sorry, at Richland High School. This was one of those. I, I remember this being a hypothetical, I believe, after the Baylor game, uh, or maybe going into the Baylor game, where the coaches said that. And I thought, why would they bring that up? That's just kind of weird. Well, but we're there. It's because they had been practicing QB3 all week and were like, okay, we got we to gotta have somebody else. He's, he's 6'1, 205. So he's built like a quarterback on the smaller side, but it's not, not a terrible build. No. I haven't helped us if we can get down to playing Brady board, Brady Boyd at quarterback. That's what was so frustrating on Saturday. And it had nothing at all to do even beyond completely beyond play calling completely beyond performance on the field just how defeating it is to be half the way through your season and already on QB three, knowing there is no true QB four and, and you're fighting to make a bowl game. Just give me a break. All I want before I die is for my favorite college football team to compete for an outright conference championship, not national, not go winless, not make the playoff playoff playoff. Just, I mean, you can't do that when you are on your third quarterback and possibly converting a wide receiver to play quarterback and going on the road. I mean, come on. 
universe. This sucks. Yeah. But then, but then, hey, might go to Provo. Triumphant. Crazy Disney movie thing happens and Strong comes in, plays great. They call some plays he's comfortable with. They call some routes that he's got a better chance of hitting. Opens up the run game. Can't help but run it. You know, it could really help only, out. When they're, when they're dropping eight, what are you going to do? You got to run the ball. You got to run the ball. You're just throwing it too well. Yeah, so but what's going to happen? You know what's going to help Jag Strong out at quarterback? Running the ball with Josh Brooks. <laughs> Running the ball with Cameron Valdez. Because if BYU's like, we're tired of being gashed up the middle, they're going to start committing guys in the box. You know who throws a great deep ball? Jake Strong. You know what happens if, if they're committing eight guys in the box? Those deep shots, they're going to have a higher probability of hitting. It's funny how that works out. Please speak it into existence. All right, so our pregame. I, I really don't have a whole lot else no, on that. I'm, I'm done. I'm done with, I'm done yeah. with Kansas State. You got to go three and two the rest of the way out. Starting this weekend on the road, but uh, you did get that. You know, you did make some progress there. The last last road trip against Baylor. Uh, yes, they may be down, but you still got to win those games. Um, BYU, it's not great, Bob. Another opportunity to to notch a road win here. You need it. Uh, your remaining schedule, BYU is the second easiest game left. UCF, and that's assuming McLean is their quarterback because they are just about as lost as we are on offense uh, if Plumlee isn't playing. Uh, and then you get, so it's UCF, BYU, Kansas, the only three games left with a greater than 50% here on the... Uh, probability or the prediction here to win. Uh, and with Kansas, it's close. It's 55%. Um, TCU dropped quite a bit from 63% down to 50. Uh, and then Texas getting even further away from in your, your favor here. Yeah. Texas had a really good bye week. Apparently <laughs> looks really convincing, <laughs> really convincing bye week. The convincing win there. Um, granted, like you may, you may, you know, benefit from a bye week health wise uh, following this BYU game. Uh, you may get a healthy Baron Morton back, some time to to heal and rest that shoulder um, to get you ready for TCU and then UCF. Sorry, TCU in Kansas then UCF. Um, but first, you got to go on the road. You got to go to Provo this weekend. Uh, your overall team S and P slipped seven points. You're down to 33rd, uh, BYU is at 65. Um, Texas tech still the best team with as many losses as tech does best four loss team in the country, baby. Uh, 33rd game this weekend will be on FS one at 6 PM. Uh, they are led on the sideline by head coach Kalani Sataki. He's been there a lot longer than I remember him. I remember Bronco Mendenhall. Uh, and then when he left for Virginia, did not realize it was eight years ago now. Right. I, I did the same thing when I was checking that out. And I thought, man, I 
I remember I remember Mendenhall. It just seemed like it was a few years ago at, at best. Yeah, eight. He is sixty and thirty six as a head coach. Not um, sh- too shabby. Um, don't know how this worked out, but Texas Tech jumped quite a bit as uh, number thirty seven best road team, taking on the BYU the sixty first best home team. Um, currently, so far, they are the Cougars are three and zero at home, uh, hosting Sam Houston. The narrow victory, six, 14 to zero on winless Sam Houston right now, 0-6. Then they hosted Southern Utah, um, not an FBS opponent, beat them 41-16. They are also under 500 on the season. Um, had a miracle victory on the road in Fayetteville, apparently, 38-31. Um, but <laughs> I say miracle. Arkansas is on, on, on quite a bender here. They've lost their last five. Yeah, that was the start of their their skid. They were two and zero, and then they have gone zero and five. BYU broke them. They broke the Razorbacks. Yeah. Um, then they went from Arkansas to Kansas, uh, lost that one by eleven. Uh, Kansas is five and two. Through that game, they had two interceptions. One of them was a pick six, uh, and they lost a uh, scoop and score on a fumble. Bounce back with a win at home versus Cincinnati. So their home wins are Sam Houston, Southern Utah, Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati's also struggling this season. They're two and four. Um, they were off following Cincinnati, then lost on the road at TCU. Um, Michael, you found out that their wins, BYU's wins this season, are against teams that are combined six and 19. Yeah. Ouch. Not the best. So the, the four and two record is a little deceiving at this time of year. Yeah. They uh they have a better record than they're than they would seem to be. But that you know what I mean. They're yes. not a good four win team. Whereas Tex Tech, I think, is better than a four loss team, but maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe not with the team that's gonna be fielded. On Saturday, the tech defense fell 15 spots uh, to 35, taking on the number 62 offense. They are led uh, by Keaton Slovis, USC Pittsburgh transfer. This is a senior, 6'3, 215. Uh, only attempted 119 passes on the season um, and not great. 50 Under 57% completion. Just yeah, under that f- numbers. That first number is obviously wrong that I wrote. But oh, no, you're fine. I don't know what I did. 14, just under 1,400 yards, 10 touchdowns, four interceptions. Um, he is, he's not a runner. He's, he's bad. He, he's 23 carries on the season, the net of minus 42 yards, and three more touchdowns. So, um, when they do run the ball, they are led by L.J. Martin. He's a freshman, 6'2", 205, kind of a bigger guy. Name should sound familiar. He's a Texas Tech commit uh, coming out of El Paso. Uh, he has run the ball 86 times for 372 yards, 4.0 yards per carry, and adds four touchdowns. They have other running backs on the roster, um, but just like 
Texas Tech, they don't really use anybody else. I mean, you've got Cameron Valdez, but it's even worse for these guys behind Martin. They've got Deion Smith, who's a senior. He's got 18 carries on the year for 41 yards. It's 1.7 yards per carry. And then Miles Davis, uh, 14 carries, 65 yards. Um, 10 of those 14 carries of his 14 carries on the season, 10 of them came last week versus TCU. So getting a little bit more run there. When they do throw the ball, um, they've got wide receiver Chase Roberts. is a big sophomore, 6'4", 210. He's got 27 catches on the year for 420 yards. 15 and a half yards per catch and three touchdowns. Another receiver they'll be looking at, uh, Darius Lassiter is another senior. He's a senior. Sorry, not another senior. He's a senior. 6'3", 205, 19 catches, 225 yards. So 12 yards per catch and three touchdowns. And then tight end Isaac Rex, fantastic name. Junior, 6'6", 255, 19 catches, 275, and a touchdown. They have allowed, it feels like a lot, but maybe not. They've allowed nine sacks on the season uh, for a net of losing 67 yards. Um, They have, sorry, three lost fumbles, thrown four interceptions uh, compared to Texas Tech losing two two fumbles and throwing nine interceptions themselves. So they don't turn the ball over as much as Texas Tech does. Yeah, and those four interceptions, I think, were in the last three games. So they take care of the ball, but they don't do much with it. (laughs) Right. They've they've had some issues lately. So, yeah, they had two interceptions. Well, they – Slovis had two interceptions against BYU. One of them was a tipped pass, but it was thrown behind his guy. Uh, and then, let's see, I, I forgot where they had the other two. Be. I think they were, oh man, at least three of the four came in the last three games. Yeah, they do. Uh, if they are able to put a drive together, they're pretty good at finishing those drives. They are 90% on converting red zone trips into points. They're 18 of 20 on the season. Tech defense is not much better, 88%. So that is a matchup to look out for. If BYU is able to get the ball into the red zone, uh, they're pretty good at ending in points there. Um, only 14, well, I say 14, 14 of those um, are are touchdowns. Whereas Texas yeah, defense and, and- is pretty, pretty good. I like, yeah, they, they do allow 88%. 88% conversion on, on red zone trips into points, but only 56% of those are touchdowns. And to give some perspective on that too, out of 20 red zone trips on the year, Texas Tech offense has had 31. So it's not like BYU's, even on a quote-unquote down year, Texas Tech offense is still moving the ball into the red zone pretty effectively. They are throwing for 239 yards per game at 7.1 yards per attempt. Tech Tech is allowing teams to throw for 232 on 6.7 yards per attempt. So pretty, pretty comparable there. 60 BYU's offense runs the ball for 67 and a half yards per game, 2.4 yards per carry. And if you do take out Keaton Slovis' sacks or his negative yardage there, that only bumps him up to 3.0 yards per carry. 
they are converting 30% of their third downs at 50% of their fourth down. So offensively, they just are not very good at, at, at extending drives. They're, they're not a team that's going to put together uh, extended drives on you. Uh, they score 28 points per game, whereas Texas Tech is allowing teams to rush for 147 yards per game at 3.9 yards per carry. Um, they allow teams to convert 41% of third downs and they're giving up 25 points per game. So I think, I think as long as you're not giving up big plays, you're not tackling air, diving at people's feet, you should be able to slow down this offense. It really is LJ Martin. Um, and if that has to go in the air, like those guys, I mean, the receivers don't scare me. The numbers from Chase Roberts, you know, 15 and a half yards per, per catch and three touchdowns. That's another sneeze at, but it's also like, if you're forcing Keaton Slovis in the air, completes only 57% of his passes, then you're doing well elsewhere. I do like this matchup defensively. I feel good about Tech's ability to to continue to stuff this run game uh, that that BYU has trouble establishing. And, you know, Tech's as much, you know, attrition that they've had in, in certain positions, they've been pretty healthy in the secondary and they've been pretty effective. So, yeah, their receivers are tall. I mean, every guy we listed was what six two and taller, mm-hmm. six three and taller. So, uh, I mean, I think they're going to be some good targets. And I saw some of the highlights. They can make some good moves after they catch the ball. But I, I just like this matchup. I, I feel like when defense is on the field, defense travels, as they always say. So that could really come in handy for Tech. Yeah, hope so. Um, when BYU has, sorry, when Texas Tech has the ball, uh, you slip down to the 27th best offense. You're facing facing the 63rd S&P Plus defense, a defense that is missing a lot of production. Like they have been snake bit in the worst way by injuries. Um, linebacker Ben Bywater. Uh, it's going to be out for this season. Uh, was their leading tackler the last two seasons, was a team captain. Um, played in four games, but has had a shoulder injury and will be out, like I said, the rest of the year. We'll have shoulder surgery. Um, also, safety Tanner Wall is having surgery. Um, like their, their safety position just in general has just been hit bad. I was going to let you talk about that if you wanted to, Michael. Oh yeah, no, that I'm sorry. I was we, we had a question on our on our YouTube feed, but I and I threw it in the the bottom of the notes there. No, that's that's kind of what I was getting at is it was on my mind thinking about Tech being fortunately healthy in the secondary and almost overall defensively. I know there've been some issues in with the linebackers, but yeah, the I mean, BYU is on their fourth or fifth guy uh, at safety. So, yeah, they've they've had five safeties miss multiple games due to injury. Uh, 
And, you know, you mentioned Ben Bywater. He was their leading tackler and everything. Really solid linebacker that's out for the year. Aspirations for the NFL. So this this defense is is hurting. And that kind of, no pun intended, sorry. That, that kind of, to me, feels like, uh, helps explain why that score was so lopsided in Fort Worth. I know TCU is a pretty stout team. They're a team that I should be a little bit more respectful of, but I do think that, um, you know, BYU's just really suffered a lot of injuries and that have thrust a lot of guys in on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, they are led in tackles uh, currently by linebacker Max Tooley, 6'2", 225, 44 total tackles, 25 of those solos, got a sack. Um, second up is a linebacker, A.J. V. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. 6'3", 235, 39 tackles, 15 solo, and then a safety. Um, even with all the other safety injuries, Ethan Slade, third on the team, six foot 190, 33 tackles. Um, they do have seven sacks on the season, led by Tyler Batty, 6'5", 275. Guy's got three and a half of their seven, so he's got half of them, and they've forced and caught eight interceptions so far. So pretty good little havoc-creating defense. Um, but if they're not turning you over, then they're letting you move up and down the field. They are allowing teams to pass for 248 yards, 6.9 yards per attempt, whereas Texas Tech is putting up 230 yards and 6.3 yards per attempt. Uh, They are allowing teams to run for 150 yards per game at 4.5 yards per carry, whereas Texas Tech is putting up 180 yards per game on 5 yards per carry. Um, Their defense allows 42% conversion on third down. Texas Tech is converting 41 uh, but only giving up 26 points per game. Texas Tech is scoring 32. So, again, I, I like the matchup here. I think um, they're pretty bad at defending the run, and if you can just adopt the, the game plan you had in Waco and play it in Provo, then I feel pretty good about your opportunity here. Um. The line has shifted. Uh, How good do you feel? Well, I've seen it work, and I've seen it work well. But I've also seen a coaching staff um, not be committed to doing that. So, I, I think... You should win this game. Even on the road, your defense is better than their offense. Your offense is better than their defense. Even in the flawed state it is. But if you can just find a healthy dose of running backs carrying the ball, I don't want Jake Strong running the ball too much, then I think you should be able to keep BYU at arm's length and win this game. Maybe maybe the score is closer than it would otherwise 
seem to be like if, if you're able to do what you did against Baylor, but the score is closer, it's just because you were just churning clock all night. So you opened up as a two and a half point favorite. It's now four and a half points in Texas Tech's favor. A pretty low over under at 52. Um, I think I think I'll take Texas Tech here to win by like 10 or 11. Hmm. Which is a big road win, right? But I'm, I'm like, I'm looking at something like, I guess to get to 11, like 28-17 or something. Um, oh, wow. So you're still hitting the under. I think so. I think it'll be a lower scoring game. I do think... If you do what I know you're capable of doing, what we've all seen you as capable of doing this this season, even um, that you could have a you could win this game pretty handily, and and maybe BYU scores late to to to, to close the gap a little bit, or maybe you just keep you play keep away and you just run clock all night. Um, it, I think it would be a lower scoring game, but. What do I know? So give me Texas Tech to win and cover, uh, and I'll say something like 28-17. Well, I am going to pick the exact same score I did last week. 26-22. But I've got BYU winning. I just don't have faith in this offense. I know Texas Tech did win a road game this year, and that was going to be my get the lid off the basket cue to start picking them in road games, but I'm not there yet on consistency's sake. And this is not a, a way to bash Jake Strong or anything, but this is just a tall order to ask a true freshman to potentially start in his first road game a brand new conference opponent, a rocking stadium. It's, it's a lot, it's a lot to ask for. So, and hopefully the, the OC will make adjustments to make that a little easier for him, but I don't have a hundred percent faith in that either. So I do think Texas tech will be able to limit their offense, but I'm afraid that some costly turnovers similar to last week, will put BYU in favorable position. And as we talked about earlier, if they get in the red zone, they score. And they may not have to do that very often to to beat Texas Tech. So I've got BYU 26-22. That would also be the under. I think our point total is the same, Spencer. I think we both wound up with – no, you got 45. I've got 48. And I think the over – I forgot what the line was last week. I swear it was 54 and a half and the total was 55. So someone was really pissed if they put money on, on the under last week because it did not cash and it was so close. Hmm. It's too bad. It's a shame. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm downer. I'm Debbie downer again because I picked tech to lose in Baylor. Uh, even after seeing the Houston win. And that blew up. And then I, I picked him to win at home against Kansas State. And that blew up. And so now 
uh, maybe I'm re- reverse jinxing it again. They'll go to Provo and just manhandle the Cougars. We'll see. Well, we both picked uh, this as a loss in, in the preseason. In preseason, we did, yes. So 28-17 feels awfully, awfully strong right about now. No pun intended. There it is. All right, looking around the rest of the Big 12, Baylor at Cincinnati. Wow, that's just going to be terrible football to watch. (laughs) UCF at Oklahoma, Oklahoma State at West Virginia, Texas at Houston, TCU at Kansas State. Iowa State and Kansas are off this week. Any of those games intrigue you or give you any kind of interest? It seems like it's always, not always, but the one I'm most interested in is the one that's going on during the same time as ours. Because for obvious reasons, you know, just playing just playing Kansas State and having TCU come to Lubbock uh, next Thursday, that one is really intriguing to me. Um, one, because it's one of the closer lines, but with two teams that are playing some pretty good football right now. You know, Oklahoma State and West Virginia. Yeah, yeah, West Virginia's favored by three and Cincinnati's favored by two and a half against Baylor, but none of those teams are playing football I really want to sit down and watch right now. But I would sit down and watch TCU and Kansas State, absolutely, if Tech was not playing at the exact same time. Yeah, maybe. Dang it, scheduling, scheduling gods. And I think if that if UCF was playing at full strength, that game would have been a little more interesting too. True. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting to see the new teams play, you know, the legacy teams, or in this case, the SEC team. But, man, I don't wish playing anyone. I mean, I don't wish playing in Norman at 11 a.m. on anyone, really. Even the Golden Knights. So, except sorry. on sorry except, guys except the Sooners you, you want them to play as many 11 a.m. games as they can oh yeah I love that yeah. I absolutely love it and it's not the big nooner either it's on ABC yep um, it's competing with the big nooner so whatever that is I don't know who they have have we have we finally uh, lost the the shine the sheen on Colorado. Yes, I think so. I did enjoy it. I really enjoyed it while it lasted. I thought it was a lot of fun and I'll still halfway follow them here and there, but man, to blow 29, what was it? 29 zero up on Stanford and lose Jiminy Christmas at home. Wasn't it at home? I think so. In like this, in like in the stadium lit by candlelight, like the worst lighting on TV. Unreal. Right. But, but yeah, I'm still, I'm still going to be like one of those. I'll check it out here and there, but yeah, it's not going to be on. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to, we're start, we're going to start seeing them on Pac 12 network and FS2 and, and what, and, and what all before the end of the season. Yeah. All right. You want to talk about some basketball real quick? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so the preseason poll comes out uh, where the coaches vote on 
the order, the pecking order of how the game, how the season may, uh, the season standings will end up at the end of the year. Uh, know that the coaches aren't allowed to vote for themselves. So probably the only reason why I say that no, they're not really the only reason, but one of the biggest reasons why Kansas uh, is not unanimous up there, but Kansas picked to finish first. Uh, I was, it took me a second to remember why this was not a surprise, but Houston was second. Um, <laughs> but it was 12 of the 14 votes for Kansas two for Houston. Um, but there's a bigger gap. So Bill self and, and who else? Yeah, I don't know. Um, but there's a bigger gap between Kansas and Houston than there is between Houston and Texas. So t- Texas is three. Um, they tallied up these points. Um, Houston has 150, had 153 points in this poll. Texas at three had 143, whereas there are 15 points separating Kansas and Houston. Um, but in order, so it goes Kansas, Houston, Texas, Baylor, TCU, Kansas State, Iowa State, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, BYU, UCF. You know, I kind of, I get caught up into football season so much that even though we do this podcast every week and talk about the teams and have talked about Texas basketball schedule and everything, there is still a part of me that just assumed once football season was over, we were done playing Texas and Oklahoma. Like, that's it. No, not yet. That's not the case for because I was like, Texas, why are we what? Because I, I really did for a split second when you said Texas got third place votes. I'm thinking, why? What what in the world are they doing on the big to oh yeah, I'm an idiot. So And baseball. I couldn't this year keep too. up with it. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I know. I mean women's basketball too. Soccer. The whole shebang. They're gonna be there. If we had a diving team, we'd be facing off against them and diving. Big swim fans, the Longhorns. <laughs> when they when they count up their national titles, you need to ask them how many of those are swimming and diving. Oh yeah, and they'll know that they're yes, like. It's like asking. It's like being that that jerk that asks a a fourteen year old how many Nirvana songs they know because they're wearing a t shirt. Yeah. Go up to the next Longhorn fan. You see how many how many diving championships have you watched? Hmm? Also would be interested to hear how many diving and swimming and diving programs are, are competing. So, Oh yeah. I don't know. It's like so, them and six other schools. When I heard this order first announced, I was shocked, not shocked. That, that, that's too strong. I was surprised tech tech was as low as they were. Then I was like, well, you got to remember, all the stuff that's going on with the, the roster and with McCaslin in his first year. So like, I want to be like eighth feels low, but then I'm like, I'm thinking Iowa state's been pretty good perennially the last few years, Kansas state uh, with the, the, the direction Jerome Tang, the momentum he was able to build in year one. Um, TC was the first one I was kind of like balking at, but like at that point you're almost, 40 points in this poll separating you and TCU. Like they're picked to finish fifth and you're eighth. Like I, I, they're not going to be below you. Well, 
I don't want TCU to be good, but I don't think they're going to be. They're in a much more solid and um, figured out space than Texas Tech. Texas Tech could certainly finish higher than eighth, but you've got a lot of things to answer right now. West Virginia yeah, feels I mean, awfully high at nine. Right. And, and I think that for me, this transitional year, aspirationally, I would, at minimum, I would like to see Texas take make the top half, and that's about as that's about as predicting predictory I want to get. I don't even know what the word is. I mean, I just I don't want to put a lot of pressure or put a lot of expectations or any of that going into this season if if tech finishes in the top half of the big 12 i don't know if i'll be happy about it because once we see how those dominoes fall you know if tech ends on like a a one and seven stretch where they mm-hmm. really could have you know climbed up and possibly made the tournament or, or whatever but i i just think i would take right now without knowing how it got there texas tech finished in the top half of the big 12 and call it a quote unquote successful season. What do you, what do you say to that? Would you, would you agree to that or would you be no, like, mm. it, it makes sense. It does. And I, I guess I'm having a hard time just adjusting and, and like just realizing and trying to set expectations. Um, because you did change coaches this season. And I, I remember going into last season thinking like how you were, how poised you were to, to make a step forward and just how horribly wrong it went, right? <laughs> sure, yeah, that's still that's still in the back of my mind too. Absolutely. So, um, but then, like, like I said, I turn around. Like, if I look at the teams that should finish below Texas Tech, I'm like, like there really should be like a giant gap between Texas Tech and everybody else. But then I realize maybe Texas Tech isn't that <laughs> giant gap below everybody else too, right? Like. It does feel like the top half of this conference, Kansas, Houston, Texas, Baylor, TCU, Kansas State, and Iowa State are all pretty set in their in their um, situations, right? And then you get everybody else, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, BYU, UCF. They're either brand new, they're not very good, or they're dealing with all kinds of turmoil uh, and turnover just like you. Mm-hmm. So it really is like if you can break into the top half and get it, you know, like separate yourself from the troubled teams, because it feels like there's like the established and the ones that are figuring stuff out. You've got you got yes. s- stuff to figure out now to move in, out, out of that group, but it really does feel like there's a, a very defined top half, bottom half of this conference, and you don't want to be in the bottom half ever. But no, yeah, I. I I'm interested to see how the how the team comes together and and how how it looks early in the season. Um, because I think I think there were even signs last year as 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 the games were getting started. You're like, man, there there something's not right. We had all those rumors of what may have been happening off the court, um, practice or in personal lives. They were just like that that can't be true. And it was like, sure, wow, surely, yeah, or um, injuries that weren't really being reported or you didn't really understand how they happened. And 
if the injuries happened before or after commitments were made or in NIL deals were struck and just all these different. No, 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 no. Surely not. Surely not. Yeah. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's basketball. Yeah. Um, so it's just one of those like manage expectations. Well, I guess you can say that for everything, every sport for Texas tech, you need to manage expectations. Um, from here, it's possible. Open parentheses, manage your expectations. <laughs> Close parentheses. The other thing, I, I already mentioned it, Michael, the Kansas Jayhawks basketball program heard uh, some finality to their investigation. No further action will be taken against them. Surprised? No, not at all. I don't even know what they were investigating them for. I never really looked into it because I knew it didn't matter. And it wasn't going to matter. I, I, I thought it's fine. Whatever it is, nothing will come of it. No. Did you know that they picked up Arterio Morris in the transfer portal this year? That I did not know. Famed girlfriend beater from Texas. You know what happened soon after he arrived in, <sighs> in Kansas, Michael? He nope. was accused of assaulting another woman. It's fantastic news for them. Jeez. Hate that for the victim. Absolutely. Because that that, that, that seems like a no-brainer, like red flags. We should figure this out. But It seemed like a very avoidable circumstance. Sorry. I have to keep adjusting. This chair is not very comfortable, uh, and I have not much to sit on. You're doing great. Okay, let's wrap this up. Let's get to questions. We have one, uh, and then uh, wrap this up with what we learned. So, going back to the the YouTube comment section, Alan Corbin, uh, he and I had a, a little bit of a um, exchange this morning, um, and a gambling gaucho's thread about famous musical artists and songs written about Utah. Um, but, anyways, he asks, "Is Tech making a bowl?" I have my doubts. Michael, if you were to look at the rest of the schedule, rest of the football season, does Texas Tech make it to six wins? I've I've got to I've got to go back up to our percentage. And if they don't this week, I say no. If if they don't win this week, which I've already said I don't think they will, but I, I I don't think they will do it. I mean, there, there's a chance that a fully healthy Texas Tech plays a a great game in Lawrence. Um, I mean, that's possible because that's one of your last winnable games, quote unquote, you know, looking at the numbers and everything, but you do get TCU at home. I'm walking it all back. I, I think that I think Tech really does have a chance. Uh, they should beat Central Florida at home. Um, they, they can beat Kansas on the road. They are capable of doing that. They can beat TCU at home and they could beat BYU on the road. But I don't think that, uh, you know, I don't really have any hopes in Austin right now. So I'm going to say yes. 
Tech will get three more. If if they don't make a bowl game, do you think there are staff changes? I don't know. I think, well, obviously not McGuire. I think he's, I I, I don't know. I'm sh- I, There are some people that just get really mad and, and say stuff that probably do want to get rid of him, but I don't think there's very many. And I think he's really loyal though. So I'm not sure there would be. Obviously, you know, the elephant in the room would be offensive coordinator could possibly be a change that a lot of people would clamor for, but maybe not, maybe not after this stretch, you know, like last year, I think some folks got frustrated with him, but then tech went eight and five and everybody kind of shut up all summer. So I don't know. I don't know what'll happen at the end, but, but yeah, if you do miss a bowl game, you could still point to injuries and stuff though. Yeah, you could say you had to play that three was, quarterbacks and maybe a wide receiver. Yeah. That was the, you know, Kingsbury's last few years were kind of propped up a little bit by that, and I was propping him up some myself. But if Tech had a healthy field goal kicker in like 2017 or whatever that was, they probably would have done okay. But there's just all these different things that you can kind of say to yourself and and talk yourself into at this point, but I don't know. I, I bet some, some coaches leave just because that's the nature of the business. And I don't, I don't know if it would be for any sort of firing or any sort of uh, animosity, but I just wouldn't be surprised if some, somebody ended up somewhere else. But um, man, I don't know. I, I have a tough time thinking that Joey McGuire would fire anybody after this year, after two years in. I think he's too too loyal to do it. That has its own set of issues with me. It can. It can. Still remains to be seen. But I mean, we're not saying that, that, that he won't fire anybody. I just, we haven't seen it happen yet, so don't know how that yeah. can work and out. And I'm not, and to be clear, I'm not saying he should. I, I don't want no, to say that. No, this is not over yet. Yeah, I mean, it's October 17th. I, I'm not saying that at all. But, yeah, you're asking me the end of the year. So that's that's what I was trying to answer. So I, right now, don't think you make a bowl game. I think you are most likely to finish... Well, you're going to go five and seven or four and eight. I think you can go five and seven. Absolutely. Well, I mean, obviously you can go eight and four. Such a lofty goal. You can go five and seven. Oh yeah. Sign me up brother. (laughs) I think we're looking at four and eight as a more likely scenario. Oh my gosh. I don't think like three and nine is pretty un unlikely. Like I, I don't think you lose every game. Agree. Every, every remaining game. I just, I don't 
know if I see three more on the schedule. Which is strange because, like, you weren't really picked or predicting to win the game against Kansas State. But I think the way you lost it, you're like, that opened up so many more questions that Kansas can eat your lunch. Yes. The TCU game, like, surely can. A huge swing following this weekend. You went from 63% to 50. Um, you actually gained in percentage points your confidence against BYU this weekend. Um, but I look at it and I look at UCF at home. I think you got a great shot to win that game. Um, I think you should beat BYU this weekend. I I have I have my doubts. And then everybody else is like, I it's gonna be like an uphill battle, upset type of performance to to beat Kansas on the road, TCU or Texas. So that's where I'm at. All right. Um Michael, let's let's wrap this up and get to what do we learn. What do you say? Okay. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I don't know either. Um, why don't you go first? Because you, you, you've got two on this list. Yeah, I've got, I've got two teed up real quick. So first I'll go with cooked up a couple, a couple more pork tendies on the Weber kettle this weekend and went with a dry brine. Instead of a, a marinade, I did a marinade on the last two. And brother, they came out pretty good. I do think the dry brine, it tasted better, you know, fresh off the grill. And you when you reheated it, it was a little bit drier than I would have liked. So probably a marinade would have would have kicked that. But yeah, I basically just put I have this money money. I have this rub called sweet money that I put on one of them and then I did good old Montreal steak seasoning on the other. Cause I'm still trying to work through that giant thing we bought like two years ago. And it's hard to be, man. It was great. They were, yeah, they were, they were both really good. And I think I actually liked the, the sweet money better. And I've had that s- seasoning for a couple of years, but I've been really sparing on when I've used it just cause I, I don't know why, but man, I should put that on some ribs. I should, you know, it's it's really great on pork of any sort. I, I might do it. Maybe one of the next times I do a pork butt, I might put that on there. It's got like crystallized honey. Mm. Is is it is the sweetness in it? I don't think it has actually sugar or brown sugar, so it's it's got a little bit different sweet to it, and it's a lot more savory than I thought because the seasoning tastes really sweet when you just you know try it on its own. But then into the meat, it really kind of brings out a lot more of the garlic and the other spices they have in it. So the other thing I learned, though. Well, I've got two things, too, so hold on. You go, okay, all right, we'll, did, we'll alternate, alternate. You go. Um, also food-related. We went to the, the corn maze. Mm. We, we family split a bag of the kettle corn, Michael. And I don't, I don't know who I've told this to. So it, it, if I've already said it here... 
Buckle up, because here we go again. <laughs> it was so dang good. <laughs> I know I texted you about it. Like, we were in the maze. Yeah. I was like, this stuff is, like, perfectly sweet and salty. I didn't, yes. I didn't think I liked kettle corn before, but I just, like, it was in my mind. Like, I wanted to try it. It was, like, just part of the experience of being at the maze. Um, I was like, we're just going to do it. And, like, me and Hayden could not stay out of it. <laughs> of course, you know, Hayden's three. Um, he, was in, he, he was in the wagon. So Samantha was, was pulling the wagon of, uh, of the Littles. So the baby was in, like, little assisted seating thing in the wagon. Hayden sat in there with her. I was the caboose of our little train here. Uh, I, was, I was following up because Grayson wanted to, to have the map and the questions and lead us through with a flashlight and all that kind of stuff. We're like, great, do it. Uh, I'm just going to hang back. I'm just going to follow you guys. I'm going to eat, eat some of this popcorn. Dude, that kettle corn was so dang good. Um, when I decided like I probably had too much, I let Hayden hold the bag and then he was going hard after it. I was like, <laughs> slow down, brother. Uh, there's four of us here that need to eat on this thing. Um, Samantha didn't like, she didn't not like it, but still wasn't like a big fan of kettle corn. Um, but we got home and re realized, uh, we had bought this big box of, uh, snacks from HEB a, a while ago and they're called popcorners. Don't know if you've heard of oh, it. Oh yeah. Yes. So it was like a, a variety box, um, and we ate the other ones just fine, and we left all of the kettle corn bags. And I was like, you know what? I, I, I tried kettle corn this weekend. I really liked it. I opened this bag. I was like, this isn't too, this isn't too bad. I, I, no. I may be into kettle corn now. There you go. But, like, it, it would have been better if it was, like, like, fresh or even, like, just warmed up slightly. Which I don't know how you would do that, but um, it was still really, really good. So... I may be a kettle corn man now. Yeah, my wife converted me because I forgot the, the first time I remember us getting it. We that ranching heritage center. They do the Christmas thing, where you know they have Christmas scenes in the houses and stuff they have out there, and music playing and different things. And we did we went there while we were dating, and they had a guy making fresh kettle corn right there. Mm. And it smelled really good, and but I just I don't even think I knew it was sweet. I didn't know anything about it, but she had to have some, and so she went and got some, and then yeah, I think I've been hooked ever since. Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta realize that kettle corn is is sweet. I I, I think that that's what threw me off before. It's like I wasn't expecting to be sweet. I was like, well, what is this? Ugh. <laughs> but if you know it's sweet and salty, then you're in for, you're in for a treat, brother. All right, absolutely. You you have okay, the, something else. Yes. Yeah, speaking of my wife, she she had an Amazon buy recently that I was very skeptical of, but she was into it. She's gonna do it. It's a sandwich maker, a specifically a breakfast sandwich maker, and it's it's made by Hamilton, and it's this little thing that basically you kind of layer how it how it cooks it and how it warms everything so the bottom layer is your english muffin let's just use that and then on top of your english muffin you put your meat whatever it is you know a cooked meat you can't put like raw sausage on there that's not gonna work 
So Canadian bacon and and cheese. You could put cheese there too if you want. Okay. okay. So then the second layer above that, you can crack a raw egg on it. And you poke a little hole in the yolk so it doesn't like overflow or do something crazy. And then you just sit the top of your English muffin on that egg gently. And then you close the lid down and you let that puppy go for like four minutes. And then you've got a fully formed breakfast sandwich with a fresh egg on it. And it's fantastic. I was so skeptical. I was a believer instantly. It didn't take very long. She's been really excited about this thing because she's been wanting to have, you know, a, a good breakfast sandwich and she can't stand heating those up in the microwave, heating up bread in the microwave and everything. And I get that. Yeah. It's all soggy and weird. Yeah. It's just, and it's, you know, it, it's like 700 degree bread somehow. <laughs> and then, then the sausage is still cold <laughs> in the middle. So it, none of it makes sense, but it's really versatile. Cause you could use biscuits. You could use like dinner rolls, um, you could use cooked bacon. I forgot some other things that, that she thought of and looked up. So, uh, oh, like those mini egos or something. There's sort of other different things you could do to kind of build your own sandwich. But yeah, I was, I wasn't openly questioning it when she ordered it, but the whole time I was in the back of my mind, like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, this is really going to work. And then, yeah, now, now I'm the one that, that looks like a moron. Because I can't wait to use it in the morning. So, had you brought this up before trying it, I'm like, yeah, because we have one and we had not had success uh, with it. You haven't? No. Uh, like, I don't know if, if like the tolerances are off or maybe we got a knockoff, but like, we tried to crack a fresh egg into it and it just went everywhere. Oh no! So I was like, this this thing sucks. <laughs> can't even cook an egg in here like it's supposed to. Um, so it may just did be you, our did model. You, did you poke the yolk? Cause that was the key. That was what they said. If you don't poke the yolk, then it'll bubble up and like go over where it cooks the egg. No, that's it, crazy that you have one of these. I love it. I had no idea. Maybe we tried to like quick scramble or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It just, I, I, I couldn't get it to work. We still have it. I think, I don't think we gave it away. We tried it one night or once and was like, couldn't figure it out. Like we're not messing with that again. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. She just went to Costco today and loaded up on English muffins, man. We're set. We, we got uh, like a huge pack of Canadian bacon. We're going to, we're going to have us a good set of breakfast semis all the rest of this week and next. And who knows? We had good breakfast sandwiches a while ago. Samantha, for whatever reason, got in her mind that she wanted to try, um, hollandaise sauce. So like we oh, got yeah, we got sure. English muffins, Canadian bacon, and, and and she learned how to make a hollandaise sauce. We made those breakfast sandwiches, and they were freaking fantastic. Um, but I may have to try it again. This yeah, sandwich, you made. might you might pull it back out, see what you got. All right. So the last thing I have, uh, unrelated to to football and food and just sports in general, um, we had some some big news happen at at work. Uh, like everybody's physically healthy. They're fine. But like, it just reminded me like, you're not ever guaranteed tomorrow. Mm. And like I said, like nobody's hurt. Nobody died. Um, 
but there's a good, I would consider him like a work friend. So not, not, not a friend that I would like text or hang out with outside of work. Um, but a work friend, um, lost his job this week or what we announced that, that he, he was losing his job. Um, and it just kind of like, it came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he, he's from the area, like he's worked for, for, for our organization for like, he came back to, to, to the hospital a little bit after I did. Um, but he had worked for, for us before, uh, and then went to work for Baylor. Um, anyways, in administration. So you, like, for whatever reason, I, I always just assumed like administration were like, they're, they're, they're pretty set and stable in their positions. But, um, so like, I don't know, just, just be, just be mindful that like things can turn on you in an instant. And it's, just, yeah. it's, it's hard, man. Cause, uh, you know, he's a, I, I don't want to make it sound like, like a big pity party, right? Like he's a CEO. He's, he's well compensated, but he's the only provider for his family. He's got three young kids. They're have to figure out like what to do now. There's not like there are a lot of hospital opportunities to go to work out here in town. Um, don't even know like if he'll want to work in healthcare. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough. You know, it's going to be hard to say goodbye to a friend. Uh, and, you know, it wasn't his decision to leave. So just had me thinking about just how quickly and fluid all of our situations are. Oh, sure. Even when you think everything's set, something yeah. shows up unexpectedly and proves otherwise. Yeah, cause, I mean, because, you, you know, you, you think about somebody progressing through, um, you know, the ranks and, and, and attaining, you know, a, a position or title as a CEO, you like, you kind of feel like hey, I've made it. Like I've, I've, I've been successful. And then to have that, you know, taken away, it's like, I, I don't, I don't, I, I can't speak for like how much this plays into like his personality, right? Like how much of him it was to be a hospital executive but it, it's not nothing, right? Oh, sure. It's still a job that yeah. he's, he's poured his heart into for 15 plus years. So it's tough, man. Sorry to bring everybody down. That's, that's, that's what I've, I've been thinking about. That's what I learned. Um, hey, we've been talking about tech football this whole time. Most everybody's already there. Yeah, I guess that's true. All right. That'll do it for us in 23 Personnel Podcast. Hope to get you ready for the game this weekend in Proville. If you're going, get a cougar tail. Let us know how it is. Ship extras back to us. We'll give you our address. We'll even pay for it. Um, Michael and I are split on how we think the game will go, but I think it's there. I think it's possible. For Michael, I'm Spencer. We'll catch you guys on Saturday. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast. Help us out by subscribing, rating the show, and leaving a review. Follow us on Twitter at 23 Personnel, Spencer at Punt Suck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. 
be sure to catch the next episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.